You're listening to Quick and Dirty History, the show about American history on the go. This episode of Quick and Dirty History is brought to you by wrestling. In the right corner, the Electoral College. In the left corner, the popular vote. We want to see a fair fight here. Let's get ready to rumble! The Electoral College versus the popular vote remains one of the hottest topics in American politics to this day. While the popular vote decides the elections of mayors, governors, Congress, state legislators, and even more obscure local officials, it does not determine the winner of the presidency. That's right, the highest office in the land. The decision of who will become president ultimately falls upon the Electoral College. Many Americans don't even realize that when they cast their ballots, they're actually voting for a panel of electors appointed by their state's political parties who pledge support for that party's candidate, even though they don't always do so. Of the 58 presidential elections in the history of the United States, 53 of the winners took both the Electoral College and the popular vote. But in five incredibly close elections, including those for two of the past three presidents, the winner of the Electoral College was in fact the loser of the popular vote. You might be saying, how can this be? The people should have more of a vote than a handful of individuals selected by political parties. Well, Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution provides for the indirect election of the nation's highest offices by a group of state-appointed electors. Collectively, that group is the Electoral College. Since most states... 48 of them, plus the District of Columbia, award all of their Electoral College votes to the person who wins the statewide popular vote. It's still mathematically possible to win more electoral votes while losing the popular vote. If one candidate wins by huge percentages in very populous states like California or New York, for example, they'll most likely win the popular vote. But if their opponent wins a whole lot of smaller states by small margins, they could still win the Electoral College. It sounds crazy that George W. Bush could lose the popular vote and still become president. Or that Trump could be president after getting less votes than Hillary Clinton. Well, it's true, and it's not the first time it's happened. This is not America's first rodeo. Back in 1824, there were four contenders for president, and they all considered themselves to be part of the same party, the Democratic-Republican Party. Vying for the presidency was Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams, William Crawford, and Henry Clay. At the time, there was no agreed-upon way of nominating a candidate for the presidency. The North was in favor of John Quincy Adams. The South supported Andrew Jackson or William Crawford and the West wanted Henry Clay or Andrew Jackson. When the votes were tallied, Andrew Jackson won the popular vote and the Electoral College. But to win the presidency, you needed more than the most Electoral College votes. You needed a majority. And Jackson was 32 Electoral votes shy of that mark. In cases where no presidential candidate wins a majority of Electoral votes, the Constitution states that the vote will be sent to the House of Representatives. According to the 12th Amendment, the House can only vote on the top three of those who get the vote, which eliminated Henry Clay from running. But as Speaker of the House, Henry Clay was still a very influential member of Congress. What happens next is some super corrupt 1800s shit. 
Clay rallied his colleagues to make Adams president, even though Jackson had beaten Adams by 99 votes to 84. Adams turns right around and appoints Henry Clay as his secretary of state. How's that for corruption? An infuriated Andrew Jackson accused his opponents of stealing the election in a corrupt bargain, and he probably wasn't wrong. The bitterness and anger over the 1824 election led to the development of two new political parties, the National Republicans and the Democrats. You may have heard of them. The Democrats supported Andrew Jackson, and the Republicans supported John Quincy Adams. In the election of 1828, Jackson, the hardworking national hero, won an overwhelming victory over Adams, along with former Vice President John Calhoun as Andrew Jackson's new Vice President. Andrew Jackson promoted expanding Democratic privileges to a wider population. Jacksonian democracy was supposedly for the common man. On paper, everything Andrew Jackson was about to do was to help the people. Some would say he did. Others would say that Andrew Jackson, with scars from two wars with Great Britain, would leave scars of his own upon our nation. 